Welcome to this edition of Belt and Braces, presented by John Belt and Barney Braces. It's got to do with music. Belt and Braces. This one for you. This is I Don't Care If I Don't Care by the Jessica Lurie Ensemble, although she herself composed it, from uh, the album Shop of the Wild Heart, 2009. Now, she's an American composer, active since the 90s. Um, I think she's a woodwind player. Um, I first came across her through... Uh, uh, a banjo player called Brandon, or oh, I can't remember his name, but he's 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 taken banjo into a kind of experimental jazz rock area, um, which is fascinating. And I really like this song. Um, I really like the way it's delivered as well. It uh, maybe it's a song for my age. Uh, I don't care if I don't care. I think that's increasingly my core philosophy um at, at in the years that i am if there's a certain freedom that occurs to your mind after 50 i would say in which you realize there's some things that need to be valued more and you also realize that there are many things that um have far less value than have been given or are given um for me, it would be um, a whole ramut of things, but but one of them would be the concept of left and right and, and politics in general as an activity. Um, I just I just don't spend any time focusing on those ideologies at all. Uh, uh, I think the ideology I'm continuing with is the one I had when I was 14 15 and and i don't i didn't i don't think i realized that it had, had stayed with me that long but it's there and this song is about it Fireflies. There's 
just listened to a track by Jessica Lurie uh, called I Don't Care If I Don't Care from an album called Shop of Wild Dreams from uh, 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 maybe 10 years ago. Uh, I, d I do know Jessica Lurie but uh, I've, I haven't heard anything with any vocals on it before and I've always thought of her as being a saxophone player so uh, I've, come, I've been exposed to some of her work. Generally speaking I have a real uh, blind spot by which I mean uh, a spot that I don't really like and I don't look at it much which is jazz vocals. don't really like vocal jazz um, but I do like this track a lot so if you were hoping for a thumbs down yeah, you're not going to get one here because, in fact, maybe the reason why I don't have any objection to this, this jazz vocal is because I don't think it is exactly jazz. I mean, the drums at the beginning and you sort of, you know, the piano is these sort of stabs and chords and vamping along a little bit. It's like it's got the trappings of jazz. But in fact, I, I think it's more like a bit of a shuffle or a boogie. It's a little bit like not fade away. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, that kind of thing, uh, and so it, it's definitely a kind of a hybrid, uh, sort of a jazz sensibility, uh, but in fact a kind of a sort of a, a rock and roll vocal uh, kind of thing. Uh, so I did, I did enjoy it. Uh, very, very sort of my interest was pricked by the guitar solo, which is sort of angular and and kind of sloppy and sort of. Um, 
a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, atonal or whatever, whatever the thing. And I do have a soft spot for that kind of thing. And I, I don't know. I was reminded of sort of Vernon Reed uh, or Nels Klein uh, or maybe Henry Kaiser, except maybe not quite as sort of pyrotechnic as Henry Kaiser. Maybe Adrian Ballou a little bit, but not the same tone. Maybe Mark Rebo. I think Mark Rebo was on the last Jessica Lurie album that I I enjoyed, but it was didn't have any vocals in it. So uh, all in all, uh, really quite enjoyed that. A great, a great sort of um, cooking rhythm section and um, a, a quite a peppy, uh, cheerful sort of vocal, even though, well, I suppose it's, yeah, it's personal liberation. I don't care if I don't care. Okay, this is a song called Destination by The Church, an Australian band. It comes from their their most successful album, which was 1988, I believe. It was called Starfish, and it, it made them quite big in America. And I've, I've wondered, really, over the, the last 10 years, whether I, uh, I would be able to get you into The Church, because I'm not sure it's really your cup of tea. Uh, as I said, this was the opening track of Starship, and the real big hit was called uh, Under the Milky Way, which if, if I gave you that to listen to, I could almost guarantee that you will have heard it, because it's sort of ubiquitous. I mean, even even if it hasn't been used on any advertisements, advertisements where you live, it's still something ubiquitous about it, I think. Um, it's the sort of thing where I think that the church can't play a gig unless they play that song. It's one of those sort of millstones. And it's rather different from a lot of the rest of their music. The church were a kind of, sort of, uh, started off as a kind of a post-punk kind of group, I suppose. But they were a bit like The Cure. They were like Australia's Cure. And then they, they became more and more ethereal and the sort of the, the layers of of guitars something very australian australian about it to, to my way of thinking and then the steve kilby's he's the bass player but the you know he's the lyricist and the singer and he sings in this low register all the time and these lyrics about mythology and, and religion and philosophy and they didn't ever give you any lyrics to any of their songs in their packages so you just it's kind of a mysterious thing. Of course, their fans soon wrote them all down and pushed them on the internet. So uh, just a little taster, you know, of, of, of the church. Uh, it's a big thing for me, the church. Big, a big, important band for me. And on, on the strength of this, would you sort of say, mm, I need to hear more? Or are you thinking, oh, goodness, Barney, where, where have you gone with this?
by the church um, now I'm a little bit familiar with the church but not enough to be able to put my hand up and say I've listened to a whole album and one of my regrets in life is not having listened to a church album in the year that it came out in the 80s I mean this one what a great album this would have been to have experienced as it came out um, Going by the comments on the YouTube clip, uh, it's an incredible album to drive to. Um, and also, uh, according to one commenter, uh, this is so fucking good, this is so fucking good. So good that he had to say that twice. Um, I'm not going to take his word for it because I'm actually listening to the tune myself, so I don't, I don't need to uh, bear his words in mind as I actually listen because I, I can actually determine whether I like it or not based on my own listening uh, rather than listening having heard his comments this is so fucking good this is so fucking good and um, I think yes this is uh, fucking good um, it's I, I, I'm not going to say oh this is typical 80s music because that's to somehow do down how good 80s music, some 80s music was. It could have been made in the 90s, but it wasn't, it was made in the 80s. Um, 
I think certainly there's a certain sound in the 80s uh, that you hear across quite a plethora of bands. But of course that's, that's partly dictated to by instrumentation, technology, recording techniques, etc. I think it's irrelevant that it's an Australian band. Uh, um, to all intents and purposes, this could be an American or British band of the same era. But um, I love the fact that there are no synths in it, actually. Um, that marks it out as a bit different. This is Arthur Russell and a track called Me For Real. And he's an interesting musician because he's placed right in the middle of an incredible period of uh, New York music making, which is the mid and late 70s. So he was a, a cellist very much uh, drawn to the avant-garde. And so, you know, he collaborated with, with the likes of uh, Steve Reich and, and a, lot of, a lot of those minimalist musicians at that time but but he also um when he was resident in new york became very involved in the underground club scene and um in his in his own productions he started working in house beats uh, early house beats disco beats um still still playing the cello and his particular take on 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 reality and life and Every now and again, I'm I'm drawn back to listening to to something by him because it's it is a world, it's his own soundscape that he's created. And I first heard of him on a compilation of what's called No Noise, you know, which is which is that sort of New York beat thing that was happening in the late seventies. And uh, Eno captured it on one album of production where he went to New York and and recorded i think three different bands uh like uh the dna was one of them um and so so uh he, under other guises and names he, he also contributed to to that very sort of fertile period and it's very very interesting music it's very thoughtful contemplative music when you when you take it away from the beats a lot of his just pure hymn and cello work is is really fascinating Would have said to 
you is not true, but now it is true. In my heart beating, beating far into the far, far future. So I've had a listen to Arthur Russell, Me For Real. I don't know much else about it. And uh, uh, I'm going to have to balk at this one and give this one a thumbs down. But that's uh, possibly because it's in the context of all this terrific, eclectic music that we are making each other listen to. But with this one, it's funny really, it it had certain elements that were promising. So interesting rhythm and uh, sort of minimalism, yeah, just soft, you know, touch, light touch, dabs, bits of dabs of uh, of detail, much of it in the rhythm, uh, and then uh, a kind of a, uh, a sort of a thin uh, emotional voice that sort of can carry uh, some different. Uh, emotional uh, content to uh, to a lyric and, and to a song. Uh, so th- these are elements that very often appeal to me. That very often cause my antenna to go, you know, zip zip zip. However, I just on my one listen. That's all I've done. I've listened to it once. I'm not going to live with this track for a week and then tell you how I feel then because the whole uh, shtick here is is spontaneity. Uh, 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 no matter how ill-informed or 
unbaked, uncooked that that reaction might be. What I found myself getting rather distracted by was that I was listening to a drum machine. And if I'm wrong about that, then somebody is is playing percussion like a in in a way that they're trying to uh, to impersonate a drum machine, someone like Keith LeBlanc or somebody, or there was or there was somebody else certainly who wanted to sound like a drum machine. Um, yeah, n- not not snare drums and tom toms uh, and bass drums and hi hat, but all the same, it, though it didn't sound like it had human touch. Uh, and you know, I've been there, but it was thirty years ago. I would sit there in my bedroom in Goulburn Road and. Labrook Grove and just get a, a rhythm going on John Davis's uh, uh, drum machine and just listen to it uh, for, for uh, you know an hour uh, without uh, and sort of rather thinking that that'll do um, so I'm afraid thumbs down for this one because I got distracted by the lack of humanity in the percussion Okay, here is uh, the Innocence Mission singing Everything's Different Now from their 1995 album, Glow. Uh, When the Sundays were doing their thing at the end of the 80s, I somehow missed that completely. Uh, I was wrapped up in all kinds of music, loved it, but maybe just wasn't getting my music from the TV or from the charts. I I don't quite remember. Missed it completely. When I was living on the edge of the rainforest, though, in 1992, or possibly 1993, I received a cassette tape of uh, the first Sunday's album. Uh, I'm trying to think what it's called. Uh, So it's got like three words in it, hasn't it? Um, From a friend, Dave, who lived in Western Australia. It took about 50 days to arrive. It was typical of that time uh, in this country's history here. I'm living in Indonesia, as you know. And uh, I was blown away by the Sundays. And later came to realize that uh, that they were very similar to the Smiths or very influenced by the Smiths, which which was interesting because I didn't, I didn't like the Smiths really. I wasn't interested in them. And I, I was aware of them in the late 80s, of course. Um, then uh, when I moved to Japan, uh, one of the first albums that I bought, that's, that can't be true though, can it, Barney? In 1995 anyway, which was a kind of an important year for, for me in terms of collecting music, I got this album, Glow, by American, again, Northwest America, I think, Seattle up there somewhere, or maybe it's even Canada, called Glow by the Innocence Mission, and I just just love the delicacy of it. Um, can it be accused of being a cutesy, cutesy female voice like the Sundays? Well, I don't know, because there's such substance to it. Uh, if that's the way someone sings, then so be it. I listened to this record so many times. In the meantime, they've kind of discovered that they don't need to have all the electric instruments. It's cheaper to tour as, as a duo with just acoustic instruments and make just as much money. But I still collect their records and, and uh, I do enjoy them. But uh, this was an absolute seminal album for me 25 years ago.
the Innocence Mission and everything's different now from the album 1995 album I think Glow I'm familiar with the Innocence Mission I'm familiar with it from the time that they were I think certainly from Glow but also from the earlier album Umbrella so early 90s it is a beautifully clear sound and the vocalist Karen McCulloch, who married the guitarist Don Perris, became Karen Perris. Uh, you know, they're, they're a quartet that keep their sound uncluttered, keep it very uncluttered. Um, from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I read. Um, I don't need to know a lot about Innocence Mission. It's a very interesting title because I think some of their earlier stuff does sound like... Um, very soft Christian rock, but it, it doesn't have that message to it. So I don't know if that's where they got the mission bit of their band title from. It's it's an interesting period in music that you got the Sundays as well, um, and then you got Tinder Sticks, um, and then you got Lamb Chomp. I'm not saying they're similar at all, but the aesthetic and the songs. Could, could all be heard together and, and you know you would nothing would be be out of kilter um, it's a thumbs up it is a thumbs up it's not a huge thumbs up because it it doesn't excite me but the, the, there's nothing that you can find disagreeable in a, in a lovely beautifully delivered um, song like that so you know it's um it's pleasing That's it. That's the end of Belt and Braces. 